And welcome on in, everybody, to another weekly free edition of the Check Your Brain podcast hosted by me, Tony Mazur. And uh, this is on all the major platforms for podcast going out on Wednesday, as well as Rumble. And so this is free. You get uh, the video element here. And then you also get me, more of me on Patreon at just as little as three bucks a month. You get so many more podcasts like this, including ones where, uh, oh, you know, we could talk about anything. Like my buddy Chad Zumach and I discuss the uh, the Carmine, the big ragu doing the dance. We can get into silly stuff. It's going to be a heavy episode today, but uh, there's others. Like next week, it's going to be a lot lighter. But go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur for early access to guests, more podcasts where, yeah, we'll drop some F-bombs and have a good time. And uh, yeah, I think with football season coming around, we're going to have a lot more episodes coming up. Yes, and that is my logo there, the Check Your Brain podcast. If you are only listening, I do have my logo. It's a cool logo. So yeah, welcome in, everybody. And in my new home, this is the basement area. This is my basement bar area that I'm going to fill up with my Pete Rose autograph. Like I only put this because I didn't just want to have a backdrop. It's the Goodyear blimp that's behind me. Yeah, it's kind of a nice little down downstairs rec room area it's going to be. I hope it's not too echoey. It will be filled in pretty soon, and I'll have my own little podcast studio coming up. But in the meantime, I guess this will do. I've been doing makeshift podcasts for pff, Basically, since I got fired. Well, actually, even when I was working in radio, I was still make, doing makeshift podcasts and plugging into different things and boards and switchers and whatnot. But here I am doing the podcast today. So I hope you enjoy this free episode of the Check Your Brain podcast. As I said, a lot of my podcasts on Patreon, I'll uh, drop a, drop some F-bombs, some S-bombs, Get a little crazy. I'll try not to curse in today's podcast, but uh, there's no guaranteeing with some of these topics I wanted to talk about today. So the first thing is a story that broke on Monday, and it's been discussed a little bit here uh, this week going in, going forward. But this is the big struggle that's happening in the Catholic Church the current day. Now, I am 35 years old, which means I have now lived through three popes. That's uh, St. John Paul. We've uh, Pope John Paul, we've also had, who is now canonized, we've had Pope Benedict, and now we have Pope Francis, or as we like to call him Bergoglio, because that's his real name. And we have had some uh, little bit of issues with this particular Pope, as opposed to the last two. Now, the criticism I get from my liberal friends is the two Popes that you already cited, they looked the other way when it came to child abuse. The, the the priests in the Catholic Church were abusing these children, and they looked the other way. And when they would get word that a priest was doing this, they would get transferred to another parish like nothing ever happened. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying that stuff didn't happen. But as far as uh, – and of course, it's, it's awful. And I am pretty consistent when I feel about pedophiles that if you are somebody who is molesting children, whether you are a Catholic priest – a drag queen, a teacher, or anybody, you need to be strung up by your testicles and, yeah, been taken care of. That's just my opinion. Uh, I, I, You shouldn't be treated differently whether you're a priest or a drag queen. Just how I feel. Although, of course, we all know that there is a disproportionate amount of drag queens that are involved with a lot of this stuff. And why do they have to read to children? But we'll get into some of the trans stuff in a little bit. So I'm not very happy with this pope. And a lot of it has to do, well, it's, it's a couple of things. 
But I think the biggest thing is what he had mentioned here this week. Uh, this is the Associated Press. Pope says some backward conservatives in U.S. Catholic Church have replaced faith with ideology. Hmm, interesting. Let's read in to what Bergoglio has to say about this. Pope Francis has blasted the backwardness, is that a word? Backwardness of some conservatives in the U.S. Catholic Church saying they have replaced faith with ideology and that a correct understanding of Catholic doctrine allows for change over time. Francis's comments were an acknowledgement of the divisions in the U.S. Catholic Church, which have split between progressives and conservatives who long found support in the, the doctrinaire papacies or papacies, however you want to say it, of St. John Paul II, blah, blah, blah particularly on issues of abortion, same-sex marriage. Many conservatives have blasted Francis's emphasis instead on social justice issues, such as the environment and the poor, while also branding as a heretical, uh, uh, as heretical his opening to letting divorced and civilly remarried Catholics receive the sacraments. So, of course, this is the AP's version of this. Francis made the comments in a private meeting with Portuguese members of his, uh, of his Jesuit religious order while visiting Lisbon on August 5th. The Jesuit journal La Civilta Catolica, which is vetted by the Vatican Secretary of State, published a transcript of the encounter on Monday during the meeting in Portugal, blah, 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 blah. The 86-year-old Argentine acknowledged his point, saying there was a very strong organized reactionary attitude in the U.S. US church, which he called backward. He warned that such attitude leads to a climate of closure, which was erroneous. Doing this, you lose the tr true tradition and turn to ideologies to have support. In other words, ideologies replace faith, he said. The vision of the doctrine of the church as a monolith is wrong, he added. When you go backward, you are uh, you make something closed off, disconnected from the roots of the church, which then has devastating effects on morality. Okay, <clears throat> so let me let me get back. Let me get to this here. This is interesting. So. This is ruffled feathers in a lot of my circles because I am, full disclosure, a Catholic, a church-going Catholic. Am I the greatest Catholic in the world? Do I drop F-bombs? Do I uh, Have I done things? Have I said things over time that have been a little uncouth? Of course. Um, but uh, the, the big line when he says not only just backwardness or being backwards, it's that people like me he's, – he's really talking about someone like me, for example – Pope Francis is attacking me. Bergoglio is attacking me right now because I am backward in my faith, that I am backward and that I have replaced faith with ideology. Mm, mm, I don't think so. I really haven't. Um, as I've discussed on my podcast on Patreon, again, patreon.com slash Tony Mazer, three bucks a month if you're interested in listening for free. I had a bad year last year. 2022 lost my grandmother in february she was going downhill rapidly as soon as the year struck 2022 and uh, she passed away right around valentine's day and uh, then after that i got uh, a i had a burst appendix that was very close because it was in me for a couple of days i didn't even realize and i almost had sepsis then the next week I got rushed to the hospital again, but it was for kidney stones. I have something internal. I don't know what's going on. It could have been a complication from the surgery. I don't know. So I'm on opioids. I had, had to get through it. Three days later, after the kidney stones, I get fired from my job. Now I have to pivot, do whatever I can in my career, 
get a job just for the summer until my job that I currently have was available. Um, but at the one job, it was a lot more physical. So my body was breaking down um, and I'm going through really a career change and having to do a podcast during that time, trying to make sure everything is okay. And that I, I, but ultimately what happened was over the last few years, because of the COVID stuff, um, and not only just the COVID stuff, there was a, uh, many factors into why I started straying from the church. And I know even at the time that I shouldn't have strayed from the church, but I had a real problem coming coming to terms with feeling like I'm not wanted because I'm not wearing a mask at church, that I'm not socially distant, that people are judging me that I got married in 2020. I didn't want to deal with any of that. So I had a and, – and also – kind of the the caving of a lot of these priests and um the parish councils as far as a lot of the not not just the masking but the shutdowns that it just seemed like everybody was okay with locking down and not having Easter Sunday services in 2020 and that everybody make sure every pew is closed off and every ugh, it's just but not only that how the Jesuits responded and at the same time traditional Catholics were getting attacked during that time by the Pope, of all people. So at the end of the year, I had gotten this new job. I was making some decent money now, thinking things are going to turn around, but I still haven't returned to the church yet. Last gut punch was our cat, Woody, who had, was only two and a half years old, was cut down. Um, no, he didn't run away. He had a heart murmur. His whole life, he had a heart murmur. And sometimes when you're a mama, like mama cat, knew that, that this cat was the runt of the litter and is not going to survive very long. So luckily for us, and or luckily for him, we gave him the best life we could. It just it didn't last. And it was it was devastating. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, it's a, it's a cat, but we raised it from when it was three days old to thinking that everything's healthy and fine, and he lets out some yelp and dies at two and a half years. So it was really sad. And I realized, boy, this is just one thing after another, after another, after another. Maybe I need to return to the church. Maybe this is a sign from God saying, I helped get you this job and you're being ungrateful. Like you're still not worshiping me. You're still not going to, to see me and talk to me and listen to me. Or we'll take one more thing from you. We'll, we'll leave you on a sour note in 2022. So as soon as the year ended, basically after that, I'm like, I'm going to church. I'm going to church right now. And I, truly discovered a traditional Catholic mass. So here's the problem. Actually, it's funny. I have a prop here. I have my, I have a little guitar. I'm not going to play it, but I, oh, wow, it's out of tune. But here's the thing. Um, The Catholic Church, post-Vatican II, was having a little issue of, uh, oh, oh, our parishioners are either dying out and the, the baby boomers at the time were not really interested in going back to the church. They're like, eh, no, no, I don't like it. I found something else to, to check out. So they had to reform in a lot of ways and decided maybe, maybe, because Godspell's really big now and Jesus Christ superstar, maybe like all the hippies, maybe that's what we need in the church is more guitars. Yeah, we need guitars and tambourines and bass guitars and drums and... Uh, choirs and solos and this, this, and this, and this. This is what people want. Ultimately, no. And I came to realize that over the last several months since I've returned to the church. 
to put my guitar back there. Come on. There it is. Every time I've gone to a traditional Latin mass, it's not a 90-year-old with the, the shawl and, you know, kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing and reciting everything that he or she has heard for, you know, the better part of eight, eight decades. Uh, no, these are young families. These are younger millennials, like 28, 29, 30, even Zoomers who are having kids at like 22, you know, when you're supposed to have kids, not 42, not 52. 22 is a pretty ripe age to have children. And young families are going there. Why? Why do I believe? Why is this happening? I think because the younger generations, the Zoomers and the younger, well, even my whole generation, the millennials, have been brainwashed into thinking, you don't need church. You don't need to go back to church. There's no reason to go to church. What's what's church? Church is just it's a it's a boring building, and they chant and sing, and after an hour you're done. You can watch football. That's about it, right? And uh, you no, know, you get more meaning out of uh, Harry Potter or reading tarot cards. Yeah, see, but when I read this, this is the maybe you, maybe you play Magic the Gathering. Maybe you uh, look at comic book movies, or uh, you know, maybe Batman is Jesus for you. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Ultimately, the factors in in present day society in our pop culture have zero meaning. They are surface level enjoyment, but there is no deep meaning to them. And it's not going to tell you one way or another how to think and feel and ways that can improve your life other than, yeah, that was a good movie or that movie's okay. Or, hey, maybe it's good enough. I'll buy a t-shirt. I'll buy a Superman t-shirt. I like the Avengers. And, oh, okay. No, it's not. You're not getting that kind of meaning out of life anymore from that. So I think that's why younger people are looking for some kind of guidance. That's why Jordan Peterson, I think Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, when you have, when you tell especially men, white men, that they're stupid, that they're dumb, they're racist, they're uh, transphobic, they're homophobic, they're patriarchal. You tell them their entire lives that they're all these things. Either some people will believe that and just cave that learned helplessness, like, okay, I guess I am a racist. I didn't realize I was such a colonizer. And others are like, wait a second here. It almost seems like there is some kind of coordinated effort into making me believe I'm something I'm not. I need to go for something. I need some kind of meaning in my life. And maybe that's why a lot of people are returning to the church. The tambourine-shaking masses are not growing younger people. They don't care that much. It's like every time you go to, to one of those churches, yeah, it's like the, the mass is an hour and a half long and it doesn't have to be. It's not be, that's a, you're not learning more. You're not chanting. It's just more singing. And you get to hear uh, Celine Dion basically as a solo or Amy Grant. That's probably a more better example. I don't want to hear that. Sometimes it's better to just go in and out, say your prayers and leave. Basically, get your communion, final blessing and go. But uh, apparently that's backwards. Apparently we've replaced ideology or a faith with ideology. What? Pope Francis is saying here. Almost like he's replaced faith with ideology. Again, it mentions in this piece that, well, you know, U.S. conservative Catholics are upset because he's talking about climate change and the poor. It's not the poor. It's him being in favor of mass migration all over the world. So, okay, we're going to let 
Ecuadorians and you know just open borders. See, Jesus would Jesus would have an open that that's the big Jesus splitting that you get from from a lot of non-Catholics, non-Christians. It's like, well, Jesus would be for abortion, would he now? Really, you're going to Jesus explain, even though you've never been to a church outside of maybe you had to go to a wedding or a funeral, or maybe you're one of those lapsed Catholics who only goes during midnight mass sometimes or an Easter service. That's about it. Talk to me when you've actually gone to a church on like Pentecost Sunday. How about that? Try that one. The uh, uh, And also notice the people who really like Pope Francis, the people who don't go to church. My ex-girlfriend, it was, it was funny because we, her and I dated, I'm not going to out her, I'm not going to really talk much about her, just in case she's listening and gets back to her. Um, we were still dating when he became Pope, when Bergoglio became the Pope. And I remember her going like, I like this Pope. I like this Pope. And I'm like, you're a bleeding heart, Elizabeth Warren, pronoun person, liberal. And you like this Pope? I thought you hate all every all the tenets of Catholicism and that they're all those pro-life bigot zealots, racist, this patriarchal bubble, all the all the nonsense words, all the nonsense verbiage. But you like this pope. You know, Barack Obama likes this pope. Whenever you hear him, or whether you hear him talk or it's transcribed, it almost sounds indistinguishable from Barack Obama and Klaus Schwab. So explain to me who replaced faith with ideology here. When you're talking about blessing divorced couples and uh, and having gay marriage in the church and looking the other way when it comes to abortion and, uh, and uh, you, you want places to spend tens of billions, maybe trillions on climate change measures or having open door policies when it comes to uh, mass migration into Europe and North America. Uh, explain to me who replaced faith with ideology. I didn't. My faith in going to church, going to a, especially a traditional mass and a traditional Latin mass, which I guess I've heard that they're being outlawed by the end of the year, that you cannot, but basically by the time we get to Advent, you cannot have traditional Latin mass anymore in America. I hope it can be fought. I hope there's a way that they can insert certain things and, you know, find some kind of happy medium where we still have that. Uh, but it's it's wrong. It's wrong. Why? Why are you attacking the Latin mass? Oh, well, that's from a different generation. See, the Catholic Church has to reform. Why? I don't know. Islam never reforms. Islam is still living like it's the third century. They never have their reformation. Why does Christianity have to reform? Why does Judaism uh, always have to reform constantly? No. We have to reform. We have to change our ways. See, you know, all those backwards Catholic. Blah, blah, blah. No. Mm -mm. No. It's not me going backwards. It's me appreciating tradition. My faith has nothing to do with Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or uh, Republicans or even politics. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with tradition. His has to do with politics, global politics. He is a glo he is a, not only a socialist, he's a globalist. Everything that he says, like I said, is no different from the doctrines of the World Economic Forum. But it's my fault, of course. You want to talk about projection, my goodness gracious. So other stories I want to get to today. This one 
happens to be, you see the Goodyear blimp behind me. Um, up until recently, I lived in uh, Summit County, Ohio, which is uh, the county seat is Akron, the home of LeBron James and Steph Curry, by the way, was born there too. I think they were born at the same hospital. So the um, so LeBron James, this is a story I covered about a month ago on my podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Tony Mazur if you like what I'm saying. You want more content from me. So the I Promise School was uh, created in 2018 when I was living right down the street. It was less, maybe about four or five blocks I was living at, uh, living down the street from the I Promise School, which was not built from the ground up. It was the former home of the Rubber City McDonald's Corporation. <laughs> so when they vacated for a smaller space, they're like, what are we going to do with this space? Ah, I guess we'll turn it into a charter school. Well, the test scores came back at the end of July. Well, actually, I, let me read into this because I'm sure everything I'm going to mention is in the article. So this is from Idea Stream, which is, of course, left-wing NPR stuff. I promise supporters fill room at Akron Board of Education meeting to defend school. Supporters and employees of the I Promise School and the LeBron James Family Foundation packed the room at the Akron Board of Education meeting Monday, arguing that the school and its students were painted unfairly as low performing during a recent meeting and in the media, which, of course, is talk shows and its publications or podcasts like mine. Supporters of the school, which is a public school in the Akron public school system, but receives additional funding from James's foundation, like Victoria McGee said, positive things happening at the school can't be measured by students' performance on standardized state tests. The data presentation approved by the Akron School Board and supported by AEA, the Akron Education Association, has further marginalized already disadvantaged students. Yes, further, mar great grammar. Yes, further marginalized already disadvantaged students, said McGee, who is the director of the school's Family Resource Center. To ostracize students, to belittle them to their peers, family, and community is reckless and unacceptable. Furthermore, your actions degraded every Akron public school educator that has ever taught the current and past, I promise, school students that you have singled out locally and nationally. McGee was referring to a presentation given in late July to the Akron Board of Education on the I Promise students' academic performance, which showed those students struggling for a, on a number of fronts, especially when it comes to their scores on state tests. For example, the inaugural class of third and fourth grade students, English and math scores plunged since they started at the I Promise School in 2018-2019 and are only starting to recover. However, other measures of student performance showed I Promise students struggling about as much academically as peers at other Akron schools. Meanwhile, the pandemic has caused serious setbacks for low-income and disadvantaged students across the country, not just Akron. Okay, so this woman, um, who I believe could be related to the... But to Willie McGee, who used to be the athletic director at St. Vincent St. Mary, not to be confused with the great St. Louis Cardinal outfielder. So what it was saying was back in July, yeah, that they were scoring like zeros. These kids didn't weren't learning anything at this high promise school. And this woman is like, oh, how dare you? How dare you talk about this? How dare you? Uh, you're singling out people and making kids feel bad. Okay, but... Um, and, and, and it's like this at the other Akron school. That's not saying anything. <laughs> You're not making us feel better there. That means the whole school system is in the toilet right now. 
what are you mad at? You're mad that it was brought up by the Clay Travises and the Fox Newses by saying, ha, we're not saying, ha, ha, look at the I Promise School, you bunch of losers. No, we're saying you made a big deal about LeBron James backing this I Promise School, and he came to town and donated a bunch of his old sneakers and put them in glass casings around the front of the place. And this is going to be different. Well, what's different? Kids are still failing. They're still failing. And you're like, how dare you single them out? Uh, no, there needs to be a couple of things that need to be discussed. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, this is this is ridiculous. You're going to tell me that it's my fault because test scores were terrible? I mean, come on, guys. I'm trying to pull it up here because I was talking to my uh, my good my good pal, actually former roommate Anthony Lima. Um, but 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 I'm pulling up the the tweet thread. Sorry, doing this on the fly. So, yeah, let me share this screen. If Again, if you're watching on the video, he says, uh, uh, talking about the piece that I just linked to, he says, uh, some actual details on the challenges that face the I Promise School, though it wasn't covered comprehensively in the Clay Travis blog or Fox News that we all assumed, the school admitted exclusively at-risk kids for uh, at least two years behind and many with major learning disabilities. And I, so I responded, I said, so what I gathered here is, just like in this article, yes, the I Promise School falls short with test scores and learning development, but so does the rest of the district. We just shouldn't mention it because that's what it is. It's it's not so much that these kids are failing. It's you're not allowed to bring up the fact that they're failing because it makes the teachers and the students look bad. Look, I don't blame the students. They're students. They're kids. I blame the parents for probably being absent from their kids' learning uh, ability. I blame the teachers, of course. I blame the state, and I blame uh, others where it's just, all we have to do is just dump a bunch of money. That's all you got to do. Just throw money at the problem. See, here's LeBron James. He cares, even though he didn't go to college and had all of his tests taken for him, <clears throat> allegedly. Um, here, he cares. He's going to dump a bunch of money. How'd that work out? Didn't work. So, Anthony Lima says every school should absolutely be held accountable, but should also have necessary context. None of that was including what seemed to be heavily uh, politicized critiques. So that's what it is. Well, there's there's the politics behind it because people don't like LeBron. And that's my response here is, so the context is we shouldn't broadcast these low test scores because it makes LeBron feel bad, or is it we shouldn't broadcast these low test scores because it's more proof that kids shouldn't have been kept out of school for two years? Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what it is. So it's a lot of failing. Like kids had, and here's another thing I've talked about uh, when it comes to school and COVID was people who defend the lockdowns and the fact that kids were home. In Akron schools, by the way, were kept home for two years. They were kept home until early 2022, just after the, well, I think it was like during Omicron. I think Akron public schools came back in like February of 2022. Well, most school districts realized, well, a lot of them who had brains, especially in the middle of the country, said, yeah, uh, I, I guess we'll have a mask mandate, but we're going to bring the kids back by September of 2020, not February of 2022. That means some of these kids are two to three, maybe even four years behind with their learning development. And some of us who you know do podcasts called the Check Your Brain podcast have been saying since the advent of this podcast, since I started it in 
what, January of 2021, I said, there's students that are still kept at home. What are the repercussions going to be? Well, it's a pandemic. It's not politics. It's a pandemic. And we got to make sure that these kids are going to be healthy because we got to make sure that uh, when they come home to their moms or grandmas, that uh, they're not going to get them sick. Oh, okay. So now it's the kids that have to protect baby boomers over a mild cold, which is what it amounted to be. And it still is, no matter how many times they'll scare you. Again, that's all, that's all I'm going to talk about with COVID today. The uh, by the way, tune in, uh, I think tomorrow or Thursday, actually, or Thursday or Friday, I'm going to do a whole COVID episode. Mehdi Hassan just is a just a moron. I'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, so some of us said, yeah, hey, these kids are if they get sick, they have the sniffles for two days and uh, they'll be they'll be fine. In fact, these kids probably are germy anyways. And it's almost almost better for them to get sick. They'll fight it off and their immune system builds up. Instead, we kept kids home using Zoom school and the amount of truancy that was going on. These kids weren't showing up. Oh, I had computer problems. I can't come to school today. And of course, teachers were fine with it. Like, oh, right. I only have two kids here out of a class of 28. <laughs> two kids showed up. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not teaching today. I'll go back to the beach and tell everyone to wear your mask. Yes, it's a bigger problem than just the I Promise School. It's bigger than LeBron James. It's a bigger thing. But we had to make believe that LeBron James really cares about these kids, and he cares. Well, who's at fault here? There's a lot of people at fault. There's a lot of people. I don't really, again, I don't fault the students. I can't tell you that my learning development would have accelerated if we were all shut down. I can't work from home. I tried that, man. I had a, I worked for a software company in 2014 and my company had to work from home because our facility was going through some kind of uh, renovation or like the downstairs and some of my coworkers at this tech company were afraid of falling through. So they're like, everybody just take your computers. We're going to do our work from home. Okay, that's great. So I worked from home for a month. No, wait, uh, two months. I was home for two months. I tell you, I was horrible at it. Meaning we'd have a 9 a.m. conference call. I would set my alarm for 8.58. I would dial in at 8.59. All right, roll call. How's everybody doing? It's like, Tony's here. And I would go back to sleep. And I'd wake up and it's 10.30. I would have alerts that would go off when I would get emails that I needed to respond to. And I would wake up to them because I'd have my ringer on. But I was so bad. I, would, I left the state a couple of times. I went on trips pretending I was working. I can't work from home. What makes you think a, a, a nine-year-old can, especially one who has ADHD or Asperger's autism? But that's what we did. Of course, learning disabilities were uh, absolutely prominent. And in a school district that, well, the test scores haven't been that good. And these kids' home lives aren't really all that great either. So it's not just LeBron's fault. It's not just the teacher's fault. It's not just the school district's fault. It's not just the state's fault. It's not just the student's fault. It's a larger problem. But it's my fault for just bringing it up, right? So we should just let these kids fail because we don't want the teachers who put their hard work uh, with their masks on. Uh, we don't want them feeling bad. And we certainly don't want it to be a bad reflection on LeBron James because, you know, he's, he's Akron's chosen son. He's the chosen one. That's right. Remember that? Unbelievable. Um, let's see. Let's move on to a couple other things here in today's podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, but let's see. 
Uh, let me move on to this one. I'm just getting all my my bearings here. Um, yeah, let's do this one. So the Afghanistan pullout was two years ago this month. And uh, I, I don't have any more free. It's a really, really long piece from the uh, the Atlantic, not the athletic, the Atlantic that says the final days. Biden biographer uh, Franklin Foer on Biden for a man vaunted for his empathy. He could have he could be detached, even icy when confronted with the prospect of human suffering. So there are people that were stuck in Afghanistan in Kabul and were were killed over it. 13. There's probably a lot more. But at the same time, we're told that Joe Biden really cares. Now, if you listen to last week's podcast uh, where he's in Maui, actually, before he was in Maui. For 13 days, he did nothing. He sat on the beach in Rehoboth with his little little toes in the sand. And they asked him about Maui. He said, no comment. Remember, this is Captain Empathy. This is pre- this is what we brought. You see, the orange man had the bad tweets. Orange man, bad. No mean tweets. But this guy right here, he cares. Because you know what? He lost his son in the war. Or maybe he was a... Maybe his, Maybe his house caught on fire. That's that's how Bo died, right? Was the, the house caught on fire? Him and his 67 Corvette and his cat, right? Or maybe Bo died in Afghanistan uh, two years ago. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. How did he? Oh, that's right. Because that's all it is. He brings up himself. Joe Biden doesn't care about you and he doesn't care about me. Joe Biden only cares about enriching anyone attached to the Biden name, not named Navy. <laughs> because he didn't mention his granddaughter, his seventh granddaughter, for four years, because it wasn't, I don't know, politically viable. I, just sad. So I guess you could check that out. It's a really, really long piece on how he just really didn't care. He didn't care about these people. He doesn't care about anybody but anyone in his inner circle, his brothers. Hey, my son, Bo, and Hunter, he's my, my smartest man I know. Oh, really? He sure. You know what? Hey, maybe the fact that Hunter Biden keeps getting off and he'll continue getting off and still collect bags of cash from God only knows where China, Ukraine, Burisma, whatever. The fact that he can do that, I mean, maybe maybe he's smarter than smarter than I give him credit for. Um, Speaking of the presidential race, this is kind of interesting. So over the weekend, of course, Donald Trump last week, he got the big mugshot that's so many people are getting t-shirts and they have the mugshot shot. And there is a, um, there's an effort down in Atlanta of they're, they're painting murals with Trump's mugshot and stuff. And there's a gentleman who is uh, he's wearing t-shirts and has an organization called N words for Trump, but the actual word with, with the a, not the hard R it's with the a, and says that basically Trump is being treated like a black man in America and how he's getting arrested and everything like that. So Charlie Kirk over the weekend, he said something like the black vote and black men are going to drive people into voting for Donald Trump. I don't agree with that. And I think history is going to show that that is absurd. So here's a chart from the rabbit hole, which is a great follow, by the way. The rabbit hole 84 on Twitter slash X. This is basically a century. And it's really difficult to turn around in one election cycle 
This is a century of blacks voting Democrat. So here's what it says. Uh, so that's the chart right there if you're watching. So starting in 1936, 71% of, of the, the black vote went to FDR. The highest it looks like, uh, 19, what, 1964? Yeah, 64 election, you're getting upwards of about 88% of the black vote. This is overall, I guess. And and by the way, this is discounting the 2008 and 2012 election when there actually was a black gentleman on the ballot in Barack Hussein Obama. So the highest it looked like that the GOP got for blacks uh, was in 1956 during Eisenhower's second administration. And even that's like what, probably what, 35%. So from factcheck.org, so uh, from, wow, this is actually, yeah, it's pre-Obama, pre because I'm, I'm sure, because the black vote, I believe, voted for Obama at upwards of like 97, 98% in both elections. Um, and they continue to vote Democrat. They did so with Hillary Clinton. They did so with Joe Biden, even though Joe Biden gave a eulogy and has talked very praiseworthy about Robert Byrd, who was a literal Klan member. And if you drive along I-77 in West Virginia, you do, do see the Robert Byrd Memorial Freeway. Oh, but he's a Democrat. He can get away with that. That's fine. Blacks in the Democrat Party by Brooks Jackson. When did blacks start voting Democrat? The answer, there was a big move to Democrat voting in FDR's administration and another in Lyndon Johnson's administration. It says uh, blacks mostly voted Republican from the Civil War through the early part of the 20th century. That's not surprising when one considers that Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president and the white segregationist politicians who governed southern states in those days were Democrats. Democrat Party didn't welcome blacks then, and it wasn't until 1924 that blacks were even permitted to attend Democratic conventions in any official capacity. Most blacks lived in the South, where they were mostly prevented from voting at all. The election of Roosevelt in 1932 marked the beginning of a change. He got 71% of the black vote for president in 1936 and did nearly that well in the next two elections, according to historical figures kept by the Joint Center of Political and Economic Studies. But even then, the number of blacks identifying themselves as Republicans was about the same as the number who thought of themselves as Democrats. It wasn't until Harry Truman garnered 77% of the black vote in 1948 that a majority of blacks reported they were uh, that they thought of themselves as Democrats. Earlier that year, Truman had issued an order desegregating the armed forces and an executive order setting up regulations against racial bias. And he's going to talk about Lyndon Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Okay. It says, of course, it remains to be seen what the 2008 campaign will bring. Gee, I wonder how that turned out. <laughs> so um, to think if you're Charlie, Charlie Kirk or other conservatives thinking, hey, guys, I, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of people like the N-words for Trump are going to change their mind because they see how Trump is being uh, maligned in the press and that uh, you have all these uh, establishment figures, these neocons and uh, uniparty figures that are conspiring to get Donald Trump right now. It's not going to happen. You're not going to reverse a full century of some can say it's brainwashing. Others can say it's conditioning. But let's be honest here, uh, or, or there's a lot of pandering that's involved. It says, hey, we're the Democrat Party. We'll throw a bunch of money at the black community. We'll, we'll uh, talk about reparations. We'll talk about um, freeing this and freeing that and Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, 
the the F12 and uh you know all all that stuff embracing the uh, a lot more of the radical feelings of the Democrat party or of, of the black community and kind of going one and one yeah there, it's black people are not a monolith when it comes to politics but you notice every time there's a Clarence Thomas a Thomas Sowell a Candace Owens a um uh, an Alan Keyes, a Ken Blackwell, a Ben Carson, a Herman Cain. Um, when these figures are, I, I mean, look even what happens with Cornell West. When you're somebody who does not toe the party line, they will attack you and call you an Uncle Tom. So, yeah, no, the black community shouldn't be a monolith when it comes to blacks vote Democrat. But unfortunately, it's going to take more than just one election and a couple of indictments by of Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, for us to change our minds with that. It's just it's going to take a lot longer. Um, let me see. I think I only have uh, one more story, I believe. Do I have one more? Yeah, just one more. Uh, so this is kind of funny and not funny, but it's worthy of discussing. So CNN, who has been just wonderful when it comes to their coverage. They had a story the other day about Joe Biden, but poor, poor Joe, poor Joe. He, he just wanted to take a vacation, like a month long vacation. And just, there was news that was happening. Goodness. Can you believe that? He had to take his phone with him on the beach or to Lake Tahoe. Then he goes out to Maui for a couple of minutes and talks about how the ground is hot and how he knows how people who've lost everything feel because he once almost lost his car. But anyways, so this is CNN again, says uh, two men in Uganda are facing separate charges of aggravated homosexuality, an offense punishable by death under the country's controversial new anti-gay laws. So if you didn't know anything about this tweet, so you would think, wow, Uganda, can you believe they're criminalizing people for the sin of being gay? Oh, can you? They missed something, though. A little context that's not in the headline, thanks to Ori McIntyre, another great follow on social media. Aggravated homosexuality, according to the much-criticized act, involves incest, sex with children, as well as people with disabilities or the elderly. Really? So this aggravated homosexuality in Uganda doesn't provide all the context involved but cnn's not going to put that out there because they're going to have a bunch of lefties and be like can you believe this this is so they don't like gay people see this is what trump is what these catholics in america want well aggravated homosexuality so if you're having sex with your own family members or children or people with disabilities or you're molesting elderly folks uh that's what they mean during this bill not Oh, it's two guys who love each other. Uh, no, that's not happening. Yeah, no, we're making that illegal. Oh, you you held hands once, uh, or you you snuggled while you're watching a football game. Yeah, no, punishable by death. Punishable, but no, 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 no. Seems like there was a little bit of something you you forgot in the headline. But of course, they don't want to do that because that's CNN. It that's where some wonder is this stuff done out of malice. Or are they doing so inten like intentionally or are they doing so out of yeah, just sheer incompetence? Because we do have a true competency crisis going on in this country. What is it? Well, I kind of kind of believe it's malice. It's, I do believe it's malice. They're, they know what they're doing. They, CNN knows exactly what they're doing here with that tweet. 
they are trying to rile people up. It's a clickbait headline. And if you don't look into it, you think that in Uganda and it's going to start spreading all over the Western world that two men who love each other can't hold hands and well, love each other because you're going to go to jail, go to jail now. Mm -mm. No, that's not the case. But uh, yeah, just as always, our societal norms have just been thrown out the window that, uh, yeah, no, uh, they're talking about uh, incest or having sex with children. Yeah, that should be criminalized. Just like, again, with priests, with drag queens, with teachers, you molest children, you need to be strung up. You need to be put in a boxcar. You need there. God only, you know, I could say a bunch of other things I'm not going to on this podcast. I don't want to get my, I don't want to get this in trouble. I saw Glenn Beck already had gotten bounced and, oh, that was a mistake that Apple bounced them off of the podcast platform. And I think I'm being shadow banned by Spotify. I have to take a look at that. They're not going to like this podcast either, but I hope you do. And if you want more of these, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. For just three bucks a month, you get more podcasts like this with a couple more F-bombs peppered in there and some audio clips. And, and it's not just it's not just politics. I do rip on the culture a lot, mainly. But uh, yeah, no, these are things I had had to get off my chest today. As a church-going Catholic, as a apparently a backwards Catholic. Yes, bad, bad Tony. Bad Tony. I, the fact that you're not embracing abortion and climate change and uh, that we need to do everything we can to stop climate change and that uh, divorce is, you know, all this means I'm backwards just because I want to go to improve my life. And I feel that the traditional mass is going to improve my life. I feel so much better this year, truly. This has been such a wonderful year for me uh, as opposed to last year. It's a great, it would have been a great year anyways, but it's such a bounce back from where I came from last year. And I, firmly believe that's part of my faith. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for that. Um, you know, I just wish the same could be said about the folks at the I Promise School and Akron Public Schools and schools all across the country who had these uh, these monsters that the Fauci's and the CDC and everybody uh, that essentially wanted a vacation and kept kids out of school. So again, is it malice or is it incompetence? And it's it seems like it could be incompetence, but it's absolute malice. There was a story I saw that uh, 99% of COVID deaths were not because of COVID. They were because of something else. And then someone got COVID and it pushed them over the edge. Geez, somebody said that as uh, early as 2020, like April of 2020. That was me. I said that. How'd that change? What, what happened there? But can't mention those things, right? No, I'm going to mention them. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, yeah, I'll be back with you coming up with another free episode of the podcast, whether it's on Rumble or on the major podcast platforms coming up next week. In the meantime, if you want more of my content, once again, here's another plug, patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Three bucks a month, you get audio and all that and early access to guests and podcasts and stuff. And I'll put some videos out there too. And then there's bonus content. There's tiers. I have a $10 tier, $5 tier. That gets you more video. $10, you get extra podcast, even more podcasts than that. And uh, yeah, then I'll have a better studio. Yeah, if you want if you want to patronize me, I'll get a better studio, better setup instead of an inflatable Goodyear blimp that I have behind me. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to this week's Check Your Brain podcast. Again, I'll be back with you next Wednesday. Unless you pay me three bucks a month on Patreon, then I'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. My name is Tony Mazer. Hope you enjoy this. Tell a friend. Tell five friends. And uh, maybe we can 
bring this country and uh, those of us God-fearing people in the right direction. Bye, everyone.